0: This is episode 415, You're Not In Your Masculine Energy, It's Hypervigilance with Joe. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm covering a very, very important distinction that I think a lot of people, especially women, get confused by. So oftentimes I will hear women say, I'm too much of my masculine energy, I'm too much of my masculine energy because we might be micromanaging and controlling and doing a lot of things. Most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, That is not you being in your masculine energy, not your healthy masculine. Most of the time, that's you being in hypervigilance because of trauma. And I'm gonna explain more in the episode, and I'll explain more even after I play the call. But this is huge because I love that so many people wanna own where they're out of balance, where they're two in the masculine or two in their feminine, and they need to soften in one area or become more strategic in another. And that's great. The ownership is great, but we want to make sure that we're taking ownership for the right thing. Otherwise, we're going to be trying to do something that actually isn't what we need to do. And that's what's happening with Joe. Before I dive in, I want to remind you that scholarships are now available for my women's retreat that's happening October 13th through 15th in San Diego. I'm so excited about this and we're at the point in registration where we can offer some partial scholarships. If you want to apply for a scholarship, please go to christinehasser.com scholarships and apply. And don't hesitate. Don't think, oh, I don't deserve one or, oh, there are people less fortunate than me. Go apply. You, you never know what's going to happen. I would love every woman to be able to come to this retreat. As I've said before, it's life-changing. So finances are the only thing that are preventing you from getting there. Please apply for a scholarship. As you're listening to this episode, consider, has there been a drastic change in your life that you actually haven't had time to process because you've just had to go right into action? Do you often think you're in your masculine when really it could be you're in hypervigilance? Are you someone that is so used to doing, you don't even know how to be sometimes? And when it comes to surrender and accepting things, how are you with that? Can you let go or do you like to fight with reality? So, keep those questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Joe. Before we dive into the coaching session, I want to share with you about a company that I Love And for all you mamas who are breastfeeding or plan to breastfeed, you need to know about Milkify. So I was blessed to have a lot of milk and was able to donate some of it and still had a whole freezer full. And I'm still breastfeeding, so I wasn't really using it. And I heard of Milkify, which is the concierge breast milk freeze drying service that transforms your frozen milk into convenient pouches of powder that lasts for three years on the shelf. So I don't know if you know this, but breast milk in a deep freezer can last up to a year, but even a year is kind of pushing it. And so I had all this milk, 1600 ounces of milk, and I, I needed, I wanted to preserve it. So that's what I did. I shipped all my milk to Milkify and it comes back to me in these pouches that are labeled, the date, the amount, how much water I need to add. It's amazing. So Milkify's patent pending contact-free process allows them to safely freeze dry each bag of milk individually without ever touching your milk. This means each bag of frozen milk will become its own little pouch of powder and Milkify will save any notes you write on your bags and put them into the pouches. So like I would write, you know, this is a 2 a.m. pump because I knew there was more melatonin in that. So I knew that if I wanted to give her that milk, I wasn't gonna give it to her during the day. I also wrote if I pumped when she was sick because... It had antibodies in it and I love having that all on the bag. And then to make a bottle, all I have to do is add water or I can sprinkle it onto solid foods for a nutritional boost. So research shows that freeze drying retains the nutrients, probiotics and immune factors in your breast milk and can even help remove the bad taste from high light-based milk. Freeze drying with Milkify not only helps you take your freezer back and extends the life of your stash, it also can help with travel, moving or going back to work. That's the other thing, we've been traveling for two months Instead of having to bring a pump in case I was going to be away from her for a feed, I just brought some of my freeze-dried pouches, didn't have to worry about put, keeping them in a cooler. It's just so easy. So if you want to try Melkify and get $40 off your first order, you can message them on Instagram or on their website, Milkify me, and mention the code Christine for $40 off your first order. So either message them on Instagram or Contact them on their website, Melkifyme, M-I-L-K-I-F-Y dot me, and mention my name, Christine, for $40 off your first order. Joe, welcome to the show. How can I help?
1: So, about 10 years ago, I my husband had a really bad RTA, and um, we were mid building our house we were had two small children and essentially he had a really bad you know accident where he neck down he was really injured quite badly and so I you know was thrown straight into my masculine energy Uh and essentially stayed there (laughs) and it's become Uh a habit and so I want the polarity because I do quite a lot of self-work already um, but I'm kind of thinking if I can I, I see the shift when I go into my feminine, I see the shift in him. And I just want to really know how to stay there for longer because I'm pulled in and out over the years because obviously operations and stuff like that. And he is he's left with residual injuries Mm -hmm. insofar as he is now at a point where he still provides really well for us. He has a massive career and all that, but he's in pain all the time. Mm -hmm. And so that pain has impacted our family hugely and he's brilliant he's honestly he's amazing he never and no matter how bad it gets he's never takes it out of anybody he just bottles it all up and keeps mm. it to himself it's an internalizer, on my husband but you know I'm always trying to have this have this and preempting everything like here's your hot blanket and, and I've always just taken charge from an early earlier on and I've just kind of maintained that and he's a big boy and he would be the first to say that you know, I'm fine. You know, thank you, but I'm fine. But I'm just kind of probably some throwback to people pleasing, I would imagine as well, just making sure mm. everybody's okay. And yeah. you know, that way. So yeah. I just kind of, I've I've become much better through lots of meditation, um, lots of sort of. In I love your inner child work. It's mm. fantastic. I've sort of done that quite a few times, but it's still there and. I think when I was younger, I was a lot. I was quite a bit of a control freak, like it's my way or the highway. But over the years, I've mellowed quite considerably. But when it comes to, like, if I'm if we're out to eat, I'll be the first one. I'll, I'll go and get the chair for his leg, even if he doesn't want it. You know, and I'm I'm having to learn to back off. But it's so yeah. So it's it's exhausting, but it's also quite frustrating.
0: Yeah, for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. what's most frustrating
1: that I can't let go let go and let God (laughs) you know just kind of
0: what do you feel like you want to let go of or need to let go of
1: the control you know just to be a bit less less worried about not necessarily is it worried probably worried just making you know because I kind of think like well you know it before I would be like okay he because he doesn't like pills. So I'd be like, no, take these, take these, take these. And he's like, nope, I don't want anything. And so he's, but like, he's in pain all the time. And I'm like, well, and I kind of struggle with the whole sort of, you know, I'm dealing with it and he's dealing with it, but it's at the same time. And I'm speaking a lot about him. I know it's all me. I know it's me.
0: Well, there's two people in the relationship. So it's, it's both mm. of you and it's a dynamic between you. It's not you or him. It's, it's both of you in the dynamic between you. So mm and you said his accident was 10 years ago
1: yeah 10 years ago this saturday because yeah. it's my birthday today
0: and it happened oh four days happy after.
1: birthday <laughs> thank you how, it was speci- birthday present. <laughs> how
0: special i get to speak to you on your birthday that's lovely well this is you know birthdays are great times to have these conversations and to reflect so it's very timely so the first thing I want to say, and you know this, I'm just going to remind you, is control is a response to trauma. Yeah, right. So it's going to be really hard to let go and let God or whatever your version of that is until you deal with the trauma. Yeah. And I'm sure you have, but you've probably also been in like hypervigilance. Uh-huh. Right. So okay. this is not you being in your masculine energy. This right. is you being hypervigilant because you went from trauma to right into action yeah. So,
1: had yeah. to finish building the house. Yeah. You had to do a lot.
0: And all of a sudden you were a caretaker. You know, and had to process your husband nearly dying injuries, how that changes your family, how you explain it to your children. Yeah, There's a lot. So yes. you said you've done meditation. I want to ask you what trauma release work have you done? What have you done to work through this trauma for you and any trauma it reminds you of? Because trauma triggers other trauma that hasn't been released from the body.
1: Yeah, I haven't actually um, done any trauma release work. To be honest with you, I've kind of done meditate. Meditation's been sort of what I've done, uh-huh. um, and just um, sort of uh, Joe Dis- reading books like Joe Dispenza yeah. and yeah. all that that kind of stuff. Um, uh-huh. I haven't actually physically done any trauma response, and neither has he. He, well, he's processed it in his way, but I haven't yeah. done any, like, anything like that.
0: Yeah. Well, and Joe Dispenza would probably argue with me and I love him. I've been to his retreats. You know, he doesn't think he thinks, and believes and teaches you can really meditate your way out of it and just get to a higher frequency. Right. And I think that works for some people and I don't think it works for all people. And okay. I think especially women and high, highly empathic people and people that have had quite a bit of trauma. I think it's a great place to support and a great place to get to. But if you're still in hypervigilance, then something hasn't shifted, right? So sometimes the meditation can bypass the real raw emotion that needs to be expressed. So my first piece of encouragement to you would be to find a way to find a practitioner where you can do some somatic release and trauma release work because it's like a kink in the hose. And as long as that kink is there in the hose, the water's going to drip out. So as long as there's that unprocessed trauma, it's going to be really hard to slip out of hypervigilance because, because it is a trauma response. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's my first thing. My second question is, what does this remind you of? What did his accident and having to jump into action, does it remind you of anything? Not really. Okay. So nothing from childhood, this feeling of caretaking really. or control. No. Okay, so it's been a new behavior.
1: My father was quite um you never knew what you're gonna get. He was very he was a great dad, but he was a very um my mother and father had a very sort of like he was in charge of the money, he was in charge of everything. And sometimes he wasn't particularly nice for what he said to her but apart from that I didn't really have I mean we had a great childhood I didn't really have you know I kind of probably was a bit scared of my dad but not in any really bad way just kind of he was just a strict father but apart from that I haven't really no I don't think it reminded me of anything I mean it's weird because I Gordon had a motor. an accident was a motorbike accident. Somebody went into him because they decided to do a U-turn on a very narrow road and didn't see him, and he his leg hit the tow bar, um, and he and it was bad. Um, but this was like his third accident. So he'd been power kiting and he'd had an accident, and then the motorbike arrived. And I was always in the back of my head. I was always thinking that I didn't like the bike. Yeah. So it was almost, you know, you're kind of putting that energy out there and thinking, well, and then this and then then the call came. I had the call that I, I guess, in the back of my head almost expected at some point in my life. But weirdly, um, but, but no, nothing, nothing specific. It didn't remind, doesn't remind me of anything when I was younger. Well,
0: what it reactivated is just a pattern. So when we have a strict parent or we have a parent that's fairly unpredictable in terms of mood, that's going to create hypervigilance because a strict parent, we, with a strict parent, we learn that we get love and validation through doing that's where our, our worth comes from. So this is, this is a familiar operating strategy for you. And the fact that you are already bracing yourself for it just adds to the traumatic element of it because there is a part of you. And, and also there's trust issues here too. There might be some part of you that feels a sense of betrayal and feels a sense of like, you already got in one accident. Why did you have to do this? You knew it was a risk. Right. So what also could be a factor here is not having a space for your anger and your rage about this. because then. I can imagine that you might feel guilty because, you know, he's in pain. He got an accident. How can you be mad at him? But you knew this, you knew they're dangerous. Like I, whenever Steph mentions wanting wanting to get a motorcycle, I'm just like, let's get a divorce first because I I just can't even handle that. It's just a very high probability of accidents. Very high. So I hear you and what I'm finding missing from your share, and maybe it's there, and you just didn't share it. Right is tremendous compassion for yourself, because what I heard in the beginning of your share is a lot of ownership, which I acknowledge, but also a lot of self-judgment for the way you've been. Mm. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. It's very interesting, and also interesting what you said about getting love and validation through doing. I yeah. am a doer. Yeah. I am. I am everybody's like go to I do everything I do everything and also since the accident I've done even I I literally he can't he doesn't do you know he, he does bits but nothing really compared to what I do which is and I'm not keeping score it's just a fact yeah um but yeah that's really interesting that's yeah. really interesting self-worth yeah worthiness has been a thing for me
0: right right
1: Desperate,
0: definitely yeah so how would you like things to be different if you had a magic wand and could make things different, what would you want?
1: I could cure his pain that he didn't have; he wasn't in pain. Um,
0: and what would that do? How would that change you being a doer and you seeking worth and validation from what that, you do?
1: That would change because it would be it would be more balanced. together?
0: Was it balanced before the accident?
1: It was more balanced before the accident. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. more, but I wouldn't say it was completely because I, he goes out, he, you know, the deal is that's how, that's how we set ourselves up. He goes, I, you know, I don't have to work. I'd still do my projects on the side, but he's a provider. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, so at the time when even we didn't have children, I didn't have to work. So I would sort of mosey on down. I'd sort of do my own thing. And then my thing was the house and and eventually house and children. And he was always, would always do the, um, the, the work and stuff. And that's how it stayed. But now I'm kind of, now my kids are older. I'm kind of doing my own thing a little bit more now, but I, you know, but essentially that's kind of still the same. I'm still doing my own thing. And yeah, I mean, he's never, ever, you know, he's never, ever said, you know, I want you to to work. You need to do this. You need to do that. He's very chilled. He's very laid back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you're wanting to be safe in more of a being mode. And first, you had a dad who was strict mm-hmm. and unpredictable. So you weren't safe in your being mode, which is more your feminine. And yeah. now you have a husband who's in pain. And so it activates this not feeling really safe in the being mode because, especially if we look at the masculine there's an an unconscious and even conscious expectation that they're supposed to be strong and be able to hold us and
1: not physically
0: debilitated in any way. So there is some polarity that is a little, uh, you know, it it just needs some creativity. So what my encouragement would be, because your wish was, okay, how do I get him out of pain? Well, that's not necessarily possible. I mean, maybe he could do enough Joe Dispenza where it could shift, but it's really up to him and he wouldn't might be do a part that. Of, That's yeah. not
1: his thing. That's okay. he's, He is a million miles away from this stuff. Absolutely a million miles away.
0: Then he probably will not be free of the pain unless he does a lot of medication. No,
1: he so
0: what you have to figure out as a couple is where is he bringing the masculine energy? The providing is one, but where can you bring more of that being energy? Like, where can you slip out of the hypervigilance? But again, I come back to until the trauma is released and until you somatically express both the anger of like, why did you get a motorcycle? You already had an accident Mm -hmm. doing something else adventurous, like why this? We have children, like all that rage. In addition to just the shock your body felt when you got the phone call about the accident and seeing your husband in the hospital and like seeing your life change. So, I mean, literally in a second. That's all really big stuff. And until that's released, expecting yourself not to be hypervigilant is a pretty big expectation because the nervous system is still on alert. So there has to be a recalibration of your nervous system. That's first and foremost. The second part is having conversations with your husband about, okay, these are the facts. This is where we are. Mm -hmm. This is what you're capable of. This is our life now. How do we creatively create the polarity? Mm-hmm. And even the, you know, bringing something for his leg to prop it up or something like that. The place you do it from, it can be from your doing or your being energy. Your mm-hmm. doing energy is like, oh my gosh, I need to take care of his pain. Your being energy is just feeling into a situation and from a place of love, being like, oh, I'm going to offer him this pillow for his leg. Yeah. It's a much different come from. So that's where you get to like really watch inside yourself what's your come from when you do anything with him, you know, and I keep coming back to, I'm just going to ask you this, what are you angry at him about? I
1: think I'm, I'm not so much angry as I am frustrated. I think he's, he, in my head, he's kind of resigned to where he is.
0: Okay.
1: He's resigned to the fact that he now has a dodgy leg and he will, you know, he, he kind of, the, the problem is he, is the, because of how he makes, his body makes lots of scar tissue, every time they cut into him, it's more and more and more. He's had 11 operations on the knee alone. And every time it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. And, from my perspective, I mean, he, na- you know, he, we, he's now. Uh, there's been a life changer because we've actually managed to get this Segway kind of chair thing, which we had imported, which is brilliant because it's not proper. It doesn't look like a wheelchair. It looks quite cool actually. It's quite fast. It can do bike ride. Right? It comes with me on bike rides and stuff. So that's been great because we've been able to do more stuff together. But, um, but he, but the fact is that he, um, we've got that now, and so. I think the fact is that he's resigned to that's it. Then that's it. Now I'm not going to. If I have any more operations or any more or any more treatments, it's just going to be the same.
0: Well, let me ask you this: Is he resigned or is he surrendered? Resigned or surrendered?
1: Resigned. I think. I okay. okay, Well, what's what would was the big? I mean, when you say surrendered, does that mean just I've given up?
0: Now, resign means I've given up and I'm not even gonna try. Surrendered yeah. means I've accepted the reality. Of yeah, where he's accepted. Are. Yeah, he's accepted. Okay, completely accepted it because that's how he is. Can you completely accept it?
1: Well, that then goes the thing because I always want to do more. I want to. I'm always the pusher to try and get somebody else, to another surgeon, another this, another that. But he's kind of like, no, I'm here. I don't want to go through that anymore. And there's me going, yeah, but. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, and I think that maybe I just need to accept it. Yep. (laughs) And it's all under the surface, you know. You know, you kind of mention it, and even at the beginning of this conversation, I could feel myself already starting the tears were starting to come, but I just kind of put them down again and I was okay. But Mm -hmm. I could but I know it's just kind of under the surface. It's just so below, just below. And I, I know it's there, which is probably what you're talking
0: about, releasing the trauma. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it, so if you would, if could you just let yourself feel the emotion for a moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's there?
1: Why, why it happened. Uh, I mean, not why it happened to us, but. The fact that it did happen and I know it's affected the children and it's coming out now, my 21-year-old, you know, all the things we lost over the years. Yeah. Because he was just so busy trying to deal with the pain and go to work at the same time and they lost out. And that that makes me, I'm angry at that. Yeah. I'm angry at the accident. I'm not angry at him. I'm angry at the
0: accident. Well, we can be angry and have grief without it being up towards someone.
1: Oh, they've changed so much. So much, life changed.
0: Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> Hugely. Just yeah. And this is the space you've been scared to go to because it's a <sighs> lot of feelings and they're really big. And it's a lot of grief. Not just yeah. sadness, grief. It's
1: affected every single part of our life, and everyone. And we are strong. We're a really close couple, and not just saying that we really are, and we really like each other as well. And we had so—it was so fun, so much fun we had, and then this, mm. and it just mm. completely destroyed everything.
0: Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, and there will be a time where you grieve. You really grieve what you've lost so that you can accept what you have now. I think you've been in the in-between. Like you haven't fully accepted any of this. And I can understand why. But it's time to really allow the feelings to come through, really allow yourself to release somatically, grieve, and then move to a place of acceptance of what your life is now. And I understand it's not what you want, it's not what you had, but it is is your life. And the more you stay in control and hypervigilance, the more you're fighting with what needs to come up right now. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your birthday is a perfect day to set a new intention to have a rebirth of your life of what it is now. And that's first going to involve grieving and grief has grief always comes with some anger. Yeah. Oh, you
1: know, I just, I, I just figured if, because it's just been whole You know, I'm the one who holds everything together. I held everything together. We do all the stuff. You know, and 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 it's always been like that. And I've just gone with it. And I think I'm. I think there's a little bit of me that's scared of going too much because I just think I'll never stop crying.
0: You will. You will. It's actually worse to hold it all in. You know, you mentioned your husband was the one who held it all in. Well, you're doing the same, just in a different way. It's way worse to hold it all in than to actually allow yourself to let it out. I recommend doing it with a practitioner. I recommend doing it in a container where you feel safe and held. We're not meant to go through grief and trauma alone. Give this gift to yourself. Like, give the gift to yourself of getting support around this around honoring you, you went right into hypervigilance. You've never, you've never had the dignity of your own process with this and it's time. So until you let yourself have your process around this, it's going to be hard to find your way Mm -hmm. to the marriage you want. Given the conditions, Mm -hmm. your husband has gotten to a place of acceptance I'm sure there's a part of him that's really wanting you to get there too.
1: I'm sure. He, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. Yeah. He's a lot more matter of fact, and it is what it is. And I'm like, no, And I think I just want it to be okay for everybody. Well, and you know, and I just find it also difficult to to let to let go of it. Yeah,
0: like you yeah. say, it can't be okay for everybody. You don't have that power. Uh, Start by making uh, it okay for you. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Joe, for sharing such an intimate part of your life, of so much compassion for having such an abrupt change in your life. I can only imagine what having a vital, healthy husband one day And then literally in a moment, getting the phone call that he's no longer about how life changing that is and how traumatic it is. And that's what I really wanted to get across to Joe today was that there's some big trauma that she's holding and she never had a really time to process it, to grieve it, to move it through her body. And so she's not in masculine energy. She's in hypervigilance. She's in a trauma response. And this is a huge distinction, like I said in the intro. And at my retreat and when people want to coach with me and in our Be the Queen program, even in our inner child, people say, especially women say, I'm too much in my masculine energy. And that's incorrect let's look at what healthy masculine energy is. Healthy masculine energy is taking initiative. Healthy masculine energy is moving in a linear way. Healthy masculine energy is being present and holding for things. Healthy masculine energy is making good, quick decisions about things. Healthy masculine energy is about being productive in certain ways. Healthy masculine energy is not about being so busy and doing everything for everyone that you're completely depleted. That's actually more shadow feminine than it is being in your masculine energy. And the name I would really call it and what it really is, is hypervigilance. Now you may be asking what's hypervigilance? Well, hypervigilance is a response to trauma when we feel so out of control because when any, anytime there's trauma, we feel out of control, right? None of us choose trauma. It's totally out of our control. And so we're looking for a way to feel in control again. And so we think if we just do, 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 and control, 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 and grasp onto everything so tightly, we'll prevent the rug from being pulled out from under us again. We'll prevent the expectation hangover. We'll prevent more trauma. I relate to this one because I have a very hypervigilant pattern and I know when I'm in it and people often say, oh, you're in your masculine. I'm like, no, actually I'm not. (laughs) This is not my masculine energy, healthy or unhealthy. This is my trauma response. So I want you listening to get really clear with yourself because if you're trying to shift more into your feminine energy when you're in hypervigilance, good luck. Because in order for you to shift into your feminine energy, you have to feel safe. And if you're in hypervigilance, you do not feel safe. So you're, you're not going to switch into your feminine energy. So what do you do? Make yourself feel safe again. Deal with the trauma. Process the grief. That's what I was telling Joe. You need time to process the grief, to somatically be held, to work with a trauma-informed person so that you can, it can move through your body. Then maybe you can get to acceptance and surrender. Acceptance is a little easier to get to because it's more of a choice, Surrender is an embodiment where you actually feel your nervous system letting go. So often we first have to accept the reality, then work with the trauma. That's that's where the, the therapy and somatic work and embodiment work comes in. And then once we move that through our body, then often we can get to our surrender place and then we can drop into our feminine. So really let that distinction land. If you have any questions, if you want me to expand on this in a coach's corner, let me know on Instagram, but I think it's pretty clear and I hope it clears up a lot for many of you. And if you have a partner, let's say you're in a relationship and your partner is saying, I want you more in your feminine, you're too much in your masculine, really check in and go, Hmm, is that true? Am I in my masculine or actually am I in a trauma response? Am I in my hypervigilance? And explain that to your partner. Take responsibility for what you're going to do to start making yourself feel safe and think about any needs you need your partner to meet so that your partner can help make you feel safe too. All right, everybody, that's the show for today. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at ChristineHassler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.